Greetings to all of our campuses. We are so glad you are here. Uh, before we jump into the message, I wanted to mention that next weekend we are celebrating baptisms, which is an awesome thing. Baptism is a public way to declare our faith in Christ. It's something that Jesus commands us to do once we have placed our faith in him. There's a brochure in your um, worship packet that can give you more information about that. But if you are a believer in Jesus and you have not been baptized, we urge you to do so. There are some of you who recently placed your faith in Christ through Alpha or, or C3 Youth Ministry or during one of our worship services here. You need to be baptized. There are perhaps others of you who have known Jesus for a long time, but you've never been baptized. This is your time. And there may be some of you who were baptized as an infant before you placed your trust in Christ. And, um, and, and we're encouraging you as well. This is an opportunity for you to be baptized and choose to be baptized for yourself. So if you're interested in taking this step of obedience to God, there is a 45-minute long baptism orientation meeting immediately after all of our services. Um, um, and, and for those of you at 15th Street, um, it'll be in the fireside room. Today we are in week three of a five-part teaching series entitled Love Songs. In this series, we are looking at this fascinating book in the Bible known as the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is, is a collection of very passionate, even steamy uh, love poetry between a man and a woman. And, and, uh, and from this, we're learning all sorts of cool things about relationships, about love and, and dating and, and marriage. In week one, we talked about our sexuality and, and how our sexual desires are good but they're also broken, and we tend to use sex for self-centered purposes, and our relationships suffer when we do that. We miss out on God's amazing design for our sexuality. And then last week, we talked about the art of attraction, how character and affirmation are a foundational part of a growing relationship, whether we're talking about a dating relationship or a marriage or a friendship with other, or, or, or a relationship with others. Well, today, we're going to talk about, we're going to see how a relationship can deepen as it moves from attraction to intimacy, emotional intimacy. Now, don't be scared by the word intimacy. What we're talking about is how a relationship can deepen, and that's something that all of us want in our relationships. We all long for deeper relationships, and the Song of Solomon gives us some powerful insights into how that can happen. So if you have your Bible or iPad or smartphone or whatever, feel free to turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. In this passage here, beginning in verse 8 of chapter 2, we're going to see three practices that can help us grow in our experience of emotional intimacy. First is the practice of delight. Delight. In a growing relationship, there is a delighting in, there's an appreciation for, there's a longing to spend time with this person. This is the soil in which intimacy can grow. Look at verses 8 and 9 where the woman speaks first in this section. She says, listen, my lover, 
Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. See, this woman is delighting in her man. She uses this imagery to describe her appreciation for him. I mean, he's basically, he's a stud. He's a stud from her perspective. But there is also this, this playfulness here. She says he gazes through the window, peering through the lattice. I mean, this is not some creepy voyeur thing going on here. This is kind of a playful hide-and-seek. They have created this special space just between the two of them. See, this is kind of, in a relationship, this is when pet names or nicknames sometimes become a part of the relationship, a special name you have for someone that you're close to. And this isn't just true for lovers. I mean, when I was a freshman in college, my fraternity pledge class gave each other nicknames, and it was a cool bonding thing. We were creating a unique space for our relationships. And no, I'm not going to tell you what mine was, so... uh, but so, so here, this, this woman is expressing this delight, this playfulness. Now the guy gets in on the action as well. Verse 10, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Now, what is he describing here? Springtime, right? The flowers appear. The doves are cooing. I mean, wonderful fragrances are in the air. And all of these things, from his perspective, all of them reinforce this sense of delight that he has in her. And he invites her to spend time with him. Come with me. Let's hang out. Let's be together. They are are creating space for each other and and for the relationship. When when Raylene and I um, first met, it was actually, it was during a church worship service. And at the start of the service, I had been introduced as a seminary student who was doing an internship that summer at the church. And so then, during the 10-second greeting time, I turned around, and there she was. And immediately, I was so taken by her, and in her eyes, I knew I saw a spark of love and admiration and longing. I knew she couldn't wait for me to make the first move move so we could be together. Yeah, not so much. Actually, um, I, I found out later what she was actually thinking. Typical seminarian, tall, pale, and skinny. Okay, so that, so, so I had some work to do in the, in the uh, attraction, the art of attraction department. But when we eventually started dating, I, I could think of nothing else except her. When were we going to spend time together? What were we going to do together? Now, that fall, I had to go back to, sem- uh, to seminary in Chicago, and so in, in the fall, you know, we, we were thrust into a, a long-distance relationship, so we wrote love letters, and I created a love song mix cassette tape for her with, with uh, I know this is really dating me here, but with Nat King Cole and some Billy Joel, I mean, I know it was, it was sappy, but it worked, okay? And, and Raylene, you know, sent me these awesome brownies and, and the other goodies that she had made. And even though it was winter in Chicago, it was spring in my heart. 
And that's what's being described here in this passage we just read. They are delighting in each other. They are noticing and appreciating the the special things about each other. You know, this kind of delight here, I mean, it's not limited to, to romance, it's not. How many of you have a bromance, right? Or a womance, okay? I mean, guys, maybe you're in Cabela's and you, and you see a special lure that you know a friend would love, and so you, p- you pick it up, you get it. Or ladies, you, you send a note or a card to a, to a friend you know needs some encouragement. See, we, we, we can bring a sense of delight into any relationship. And this is where intimacy, this is where closeness begins. It's it's in delighting in this person, noticing things, appreciating them. Now, here's the challenge in marriage. Again, we're talking, it can do this in any relationship, but here's the challenge in marriage. Sometimes we stop doing this once we have settled into marriage. We stop looking for cute gadgets our spouse would appreciate. We stop surprising them with concert tickets to their favorite band, right? We, we, we stop being fun and, 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 and playful and stop using cute nicknames and all that. Our relationship can become sort of routine. So married people, married people here, think about it. When is the last time? When is the last time you conveyed your delight with your spouse? When is the last time you did something special for them just because? And by the way, Valentine's Day and birthdays do not count. Mother's Day, Father's Day, don't count. Those don't count. When was the last time you did something special to just delight in them? Was it a month ago? Longer? I mean, it's time to bring some delight and playfulness back into your relationship. Right? To do the things that you did when you were dating. You know what those things were. Do those things you did when you were dating. This is the soil in which intimacy grows and thrives in any relationship with your friends, a coworker, a child, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse. It's the power of delight, of knowing them and appreciating them and, and delighting in them. Okay, the second practice to help us grow in intimacy is turning towards turning towards. There's this really powerful verse that comes next in this section. Look with me at verse 14. (coughs) Excuse me, verse 14. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is is lovely. Now the man is speaking here, and the man here senses a disconnect with this woman. Even though there has been this delight and springtime and all that, he senses that there are parts of her that are hidden to him. Parts of her of, of, the, of, of her person that he doesn't know yet, but he wants to know. He wants to go deeper. He wants to push past the superficial veneer and find out who she really is. See, this is the next step in intimacy in a relationship. It's getting to know this person beyond the superficial He wants to know her heart. He wants to know what is going on inside of her. 
I mean, intimacy happens when we, when we stop just talking about the, the weather and, and about school and about the Rockies or whatever. And we start talking about feelings, about fears, about dreams and longings. We, we start being vulnerable. That's when you know a relationship has moved past the superficial and is growing in, in true intimacy. And honestly, this is where a lot of relationships get stuck. This is where a lot of relationships get stuck. Dating relationship, get, get, relationships get stuck here. You long, you long to go deeper, but the person, this person you're dating doesn't seem to want that. Or they're incapable of going there. Friendships can get stuck here. A group of guys meeting for coffee or a beer once a week, right? The potential is huge to go deeper and talk about real struggles in, in our marriage and fears about our jobs, but, but the guys seem to only want to talk about the Broncos. <coughs> Marriages can get stuck here. Our conversations are only about superficial things related to work or our children's activities. We stop talking about feelings and, and dreams, so how do we move past this superficial, superficiality that we kind of get stuck in? How do we move past that? Well, there's something really powerful that this guy does here in verse 14 that can actually open the door for this in our relationships. Look again at what he says to her, verse 14. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice. What is he doing? He is turning towards her. He says here, show me your face. This is as simple as making eye contact. He is choosing to look at her, not at the TV, not at his cell phone or, or his laptop. He is intentionally making eye contact, right? Which immediately says, you're important to me. You are important to me. You're, important, you're more important than anything else happening around me. You are, you are, you are that important. And then he says, let me hear your voice. He wants to listen to her. He wants to hear her. See, this is what turning towards looks like. It is not complicated. It is not rocket science. It is incredibly simple. It is to give this person our undivided attention in this moment. By doing so, we communicate that we value this person. We communicate that they are worthy of our full attention, that we care about what they care about, that we want to hear their heart. And this then makes them feel safe in, in being more vulnerable, in sharing more deeply, which is critical for growing intimacy. I mean, this one decision to turn toward our spouse toward our girlfriend or boyfriend, toward our child, toward our friend. This one decision can make such a huge impact, such a huge difference. See, here's what's happening in our relationships, and many of us are completely unaware this is happening. Here's, here's what's going on. Instead of turning towards this person, we're doing one of two other things. <clears throat> we're either turning away or we're turning against for example, Allison and Carlos are in the living room. Television's on. He's on his laptop. She's playing on her smartphone. And at some point there, she says, hey, hey, Renee posted on Facebook that she's in a relationship. I wonder what the guy's like. 
Carlos sits there. No response. Or maybe a grunt. Keeps looking at his laptop. See, that's turning away. There's no malice. There's no malice here. But he's ignoring his wife. He's ignoring his wife. The, her comment just sits there. And that those comments we make are their attempts to connect with a person. Even if it's about something as trivial like that, as a Facebook comment or whatever, it's an attempt to connect with someone. So she says that, nothing happens, and she thinks to herself, no emotional connection happening with him. What's the use of sharing anything? Let's do a similar scenario, but this time Carlos says, wow, power drills are on sale at Home Depot. I need a new one. And Allison responds, what? So you can add to your collection of 14 other power drills? That's turning against. See, her, her, his comment about power drills is expressing something on his heart. And she dismisses it with a negative remark. And he thinks to himself, I'm not bringing that up again. See, in both of these situations... The relational connection, the, the, the desire for emotional intimacy, because that's what they're doing even in conversation. They're just saying things to try and connect with this person. In both of those situations, the desire for emotional intimacy gets short-circuited by either turning away, ignoring, or turning against. But what if they would turn towards each other? When Allison makes the comment about her friend on Facebook... What if Carlos looks up from his laptop and says, what was her last boyfriend like? See, he's turning towards Allison. She feels valued. So then she shares more deeply. They're able to connect more deeply. Or what about when Carlos makes the power drill comment, Allison, instead uh, of, of turning against, instead she says, what makes, you, what makes you interested in that particular drill? See, she is turning towards him. This sort of thing, this sort of thing I'm describing, you may say, well, that's, that's simple. That's just normal conversation. Absolutely, that's the point. This happens hundreds and hundreds of times every day. This kind of interaction happens all the time in our relationships. And a lot of times we're missing it. We're, we're missing it. We're not going deeper because we're missing these moments to turn towards and we're turning away or turning against. And so when, when we choose, when we choose to turn towards a person in the in ordinary conversations throughout the day, when we choose to do that over and over again, it opens a door for deepening intimacy with this person. We're connecting with them. This is huge. I mean, I know, and I, we all can probably relate to this. I know how I feel when I'm talking to someone and I start sharing something on my heart and they pull out their cell phone and start texting someone or they look away at someone who walks by, right, the, or the, the television in the restaurant or whatever. I don't say this out loud. I do not say it out loud. They probably won't even know it. But in my heart, I'm thinking, I'm not sharing any more deeply here. I'm not, going any, I'm not, I'm not sharing anything more deeply with this person. They, they don't want to hear me. Other things are more important. So I just make this decision internally. I don't tell them, but I'm just making this decision. So imagine that being played out over and over and over again every day, multiple times a day in a marriage or in a friendship or in a parent-child relationship. Imagine that being played out over and over again. It, it is hard to go deeper in emotional intimacy when we're either turning away or we're turning against this person. And a lot of us aren't even aware of what we're doing. The impact is huge. 
So think, think of your most significant relationships. What is your typical pattern in that relationship? Are you turning towards people? Eye contact, listening, paying attention to them, commenting on what they're saying, or are you turning, are you turning away from them, ignoring them, just letting their comments just kind of sit there? Or perhaps turning away, turning against them with a critical comment. Those decisions we make are huge in terms of whether this relationship will be growing in intimacy or whether it's just going to get stuck in superficiality or distance. Now, I realize, I realize that some of you are in a marriage where your spouse has turned away or turned against you for years, and there is no sign of this ever changing, and that is so incredibly painful. Others of you have been through a divorce, and you're still dealing with the guilt or the blame, or the wounds of that broken relationship. And it is, it's excruciatingly difficult. But here, here's my encouragement to all of us. God uses the broken, painful places in our lives to help us grow. He does. So if you're hearing this message, you can apply these principles in your relationships, even if it isn't reciprocated. You can still apply these principles in relationships, even if it's not reciprocated. I mean, isn't that the way God is with us? He keeps turning towards us, even when we don't deserve it, even when we're not paying attention, or even when we turn against him, right? He keeps turning towards us. So in him, in Jesus, we find the love that can help us grow in our relationships because he's turning towards us, can give us the ability, the courage to turn towards others. And it can make a huge difference in our relationships. Third practice to help us grow in intimacy is vigilance. Vigilance. Look with me at Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Now the imagery, the man is referring here, the imagery he's using is related to how foxes would go through a vineyard and eat the grape blossoms so that there would be no grapes later on at harvest. <clears throat> and the, the man here uses that image to talk about their relationship. He says, catch for us the little foxes. He is concerned that there are things that have the potential to damage their relationship, to damage their intimacy. And he is absolutely right. There are little foxes that all of us are vulnerable, vulnerable to, little, little, little things that can, or big things, that, that can subtly undermine our relationships. They can undermine our capacity for emotional intimacy. So what might some of these little foxes be? Well, let me mention a few general areas here. One is busyness. Busyness. Busyness is like a little fox, right? It isn't obvious. We don't really even recognize that it's happening, but one day we realize, man, we haven't had an uninterrupted conversation in weeks. This, this undermines the delight aspect we talked about earlier, right? It undermines that. We're not even really able to delight in each other. We haven't even had a conversation. We get busy and our relationships suffer. We no longer take time to hang out. We no longer take time to have fun. It also undermines the turning towards aspect we just discussed. We're, we're often too busy to really listen to this person. We're so busy with work, we're not paying attention. We're turning away. We're turning against. We're not focusing on them to hear their heart. 
And over time, what happens is this creates this emotional distance in a relationship. It's often subtle, but, but, but over time, it, it can become very evident. I mean, I can think of numerous times over the years where this has happened to Raylene and I. It doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. I mean, when we had little kids, we would be exhausted by the time we got them down. We'd be exhausted. We'd have no energy to connect with each other. Finally, we decided we would swap childcare um, with another couple and do a date night every other week just to create space. When our kids were te- teenagers in high school, I mean, tons of activities going on, tons of things to go to, which, w- which was fun. We loved that. But again, it was easy for our relationship to drift. We had to make time for each other. We would notice it was drifting. We'd say, we got to get this back on the schedule. We had to figure out a way to make it happen. <laughs> in fact, I remember early on in our marriage, we, um, before we had our first child, we decided, we made this decision, we'd heard some teaching on this or read a book or whatever, and we, we decided that the most important relationship in our home was going to be our marriage. It was never going to be our children. The most important relationship in our home was going to be our marriage. Um, and our, our children were welcome guests in our home. We loved them. We, we knew we were going to love our children, but they would never become the center. They would never become the foundational relationship in the home. Now, we, have, we haven't always done that perfectly, but we recognize then, and we have tried to be committed to this over the years, recognize the importance of giving priority to our relationship as the foundational relationship in this home. Because the kids, they leave, right? They grow up and they leave, and we s- still have this relationship. A second little fox that can cause significant damage is unhealthy attitudes, Unhealthy attitudes, negativity can start creeping into our relationships. Dr. John Gottman, um, who has studied thousands of marriages over several decades, has shown multiple years of research. He has shown how damaging it can be when we allow long-simmering negative thoughts about our spouse to just fester there. It leads to, and he's identified several things, but one, it leads to criticism. We begin to speak negatively about our spouse. And often the attitude behind our comment is, what's wrong with you, you idiot? That's sort of the attitude behind our comment. And these critical attitudes then lead to the next step in, his, in the process he mentions, which is contempt. Contempt is sarcasm, eye-rolling, sneering, mocking. In your heart, you're turning against your spouse. And these negative attitudes, they just fester over time, and they undermine intimacy. Now, often, and this is something we we don't realize, a lot of times, often, these things are rooted in our own pain. They're rooted in our own insecurity. Hurt people hurt people. A A lot of times, the reason negativity is spewing forth in our relationship is because we have some hurts we have not dealt with. We have some insecurities that we have not dealt with. I mean, I've I've been married almost uh, 26 years, and I'm still seeing areas in my own heart where my own insecurity causes me to project unrealistic expectations onto Raylene. When, When we find ourselves increasingly negative, feeling increasing negativity toward a person that we're close to, we need to do some soul searching before the Lord and make sure those things are not rooted in our own issues, our own pain, our own insecurities, our own bitterness. 
Unforgiveness can destroy a relationship. It can undermine intimacy. I have seen marriages devastated because of a past hurt that one spouse is unwilling to forgive. It undermines the, the entire relationship because of a, it, was a legi- it was a hurt that happened, but one spouse is unwilling to forgive and to move on. It undermines the relationship. See, this is why this is why the gospel, this is why the gospel becomes so important in our relationships. I mean, the work of Jesus is what enables us to, to, to continue to move towards intimacy. Because the reality is, newsflash here, we're all sinners. We are all sinners. We all have issues. And the person we're married to has issues. The person we're in relationship, relationship with has issues. Without the cross, we would be so lost. Because Jesus has poured out his mercy upon us, we can extend mercy and grace to our spouse or other loved ones. We can experience healing in our own hearts so that we don't, so that we don't keep holding on to these the impossible expectations and keep holding these impossible expectations over this, the head of this other person. We can be secure in Christ's love for us, which can then enable us to pursue intimacy in a healthy way. In a healthy way. I mean, just the other day, I was feeling sort of neglected by Raylene, and I started to turn my heart away from her in anger, and it, and it came out in a conversation. My anger just kind of came out in a conversation. I snapped at her, and, and I could immediately feel her heart just close and withdraw. Now, now often, I'll just kind of sit in that and just justify why I, I, you should have said that, you know, and it, why it was okay what I did, you know, just kind of sit in that. Sometimes I'll do that. But by the grace of God, I chose a different response. Instead of me going on the attack, I said, this particular time, I said, hey, can we talk? And, and we got alone in, in, in our room, and, and I said, so how, how are you feeling about that conversation? And she opened up her heart. And about how she'd been feeling all week long, how emotionally depleted she felt and how physically tired she was. I'd been sick all week. And so a lot of various responsibilities had fallen on her shoulders. So suddenly my eyes were open to see her perspective. Instead of feeling justified in my own stuff, I felt compassion towards her. And I apologized for my anger and the, and the hurt that I had caused. I mean, it was so, it was so cool. But it could have gone a totally different direction. <laughs> I mean, the gospel, and, and, and that's many times I would go the other direction. So I'm just saying this time I got it. You know, the gospel, the gospel can make such a difference in our lives. Rather than turning against this person, letting negativity fester, we can turn towards them. We can listen. We can apologize. We can choose to forgive These are graces we are given through Jesus. And we can choose (laughs) to use those graces to extend them to this person. What a difference it can make. And by the way, don't be afraid to get help. Seriously. I mean, sometimes marriages just get stuck. It's okay to get help. You have a toothache, you go to the dentist. You don't wait till it's abscessed, right? You go to the dentist. We have have marriage mentors in our church, trained marriage mentors who can help you walk through a particular area in your relationship where you just feel like you're stuck here. This conflict keeps happening. We have marriage mentors that we'd be happy to, we would be happy to connect you. Um, That there are marriage counselors we can recommend. Just call the church office. 
get the help you need. Don't wait. It's, it's not an embarrassment. It shouldn't be an embarrassment. I mean, Rayleigh and I, we've been to counseling. <gasps> we've actually, over the years of our marriage, right, we've been, there are periodic, periodic times where we've actually been to a counselor just to kind of talk through things. So don't be embarrassed by that. Get the help you need. Our marriages are too important to, to not do that. Let me mention another little fox um, area that will damage our intimacy and relationships, and that's unhealthy behaviors. Not just attitudes, unhealthy behaviors. Years ago, I watched as alcohol destroyed a friend of mine's marriage. He would not stop drinking, even though his spouse told him, this is ruining our marriage, and he would come home and just start drinking early in the evening, and he'd be drunk by 10, and she just kept saying stuff. He would not stop drinking. It clearly, it was clearly an addiction that was destroying his most significant relationship, and he just let it happen. They, they were divorced years ago. What about too much media in terms of behaviors? What about too much media? Social media, video gaming, television, internet. I mean, maybe these things have become distractions that are filling up our time and robbing us of, of uh, intimacy. Or maybe we're using these activities to avoid dealing with things in our relationship, to avoid moving towards our spouse. We're just kind of escaping into these things. Or perhaps you're finding yourself becoming emotionally attached to someone at work or on Facebook. You know it's drawing you away from your marriage. These are unhealthy behaviors. Another huge unhealthy behavior is pornography. I mean, the, the entire book of Song of Solomon celebrates sex in the context of a committed, exclusive love relationship between a husband and wife. Pornography undermines that relationship in a multitude of ways. I mean, a recent article in psych, uh, Psychology Today revealed that internet porn was a significant contributing factor in 50% of divorces. 50% of divorces, internet porn was a significant factor. Because it is so addictive, porn often causes people to withdraw from real relationships. I mean, more and more studies are showing that porn use can actually, hinders one, can actually hinder one's performance and sexual satisfaction in marriage. More and more studies are revealing that. Porn use pulls us. It also pulls us into this unrealistic world with unrealistic expectations. It can, and it can be devastating to the emotional psyche of a woman. One recent study revealed, again, Psychology Today said this, one recent study revealed that 80% of women who discover their husbands are using porn feel increased anxiety and insecurity. 80% of women feel this when they discover their husbands using porn. As we talked about last week, our role as guys in a dating or marriage relationship is to protect the heart of our spouse or girlfriend, not destroy it. Our role is to protect their heart, not destroy it. So there are all sorts of unhealthy behaviors that can undermine our relationships. Okay, so here's your homework assignment, all right? Here's your homework assignment. Here's the question. What are the little foxes that are trying to eat away at your relationship, your relationships, your most significant relationships, at your emotional intimacy? Every relationship has them. None of us are exempt. Every relationship has them. So your homework is to identify what these foxes are and then start 
dealing with them rather than ignoring them and letting them continue to wreak havoc. There is too much at stake to let these little foxes run wild and destroy your intimacy. There's too much at stake. A friend of mine had, had been married 20 years to his lovely bride. They were, they were busy raising kids. He was busy with work. But he, he thought his marriage was doing fine. One day he discovered that his wife was having an emotional affair. They hadn't gotten physical, but by emotional, there was a significant connection with this, this guy, with a friend of his, actually. His wife had become attached to this friend of his, and it, and it was a mutual kind of thing, and, and it rocked his world. He could not believe it. His wife was saying she didn't love him anymore. He was devastated. They went to a marriage counselor for intensive counseling, and my friend's eyes were opened to see how he had neglected his wife's heart for years, how he had neglected her heart. He had been totally clueless how often he had turned away from her heart, not turned against, wasn't with malice. He just ignored her heart which left her incredibly vulnerable to a guy who started paying attention to her heart. In this place of brokenness and desperation, he decided he was going to fight for his marriage. He was going to fight for his marriage. He was going after his wife's heart. With the same intensity he had pursued work, he was now going to pursue her heart. Become a student of his wife's heart. That's the language he uses. After several months of this renewed focus, their marriage began to turn around. Today, they are doing great. Her feelings of love returned. That didn't happen automatically. That didn't happen automatically. It happened by identifying the little foxes and then going after them. Again, let me ask, what are those little foxes in your most important relationships? And are you willing to do something about them? Are you willing to do something about them? Emotional intimacy is an amazing and wonderful thing that all of us long for in all of our relationships, but it doesn't happen automatically. Through delight and through turning towards and being vigilant, we can grow in intimacy in our relationships. We can grow in intimacy. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now to come and to speak. You have been speaking, and we pray you'd continue to be pointing out things that you want us to focus on in our most important relationships. We pray that you right now, you would help us identify the little foxes that are trying to rob us of intimacy. Maybe it's busyness and we just have not been intentional about connecting with our spouse or with this person. Maybe it's unhealthy attitudes. Maybe it's insecurity, our own insecurity. Maybe it's unforgiveness. We're hanging on to a hurt, holding it over our spouse.
and it's destroying our relationship. Lord, you know what these things are, these, these, this negativity. Maybe it's criticism. Maybe it's contempt. Whatever it is, it's just starting to creep in. We bring these things to the cross of Christ, and we pray for your help, Lord. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace in our hearts, your love in our hearts so that we can, can choose and continue to choose to extend that to our spouse, to our children, to our friendships. We can continue to extend that. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your love and heal our own insecurities so that we can move towards the people around us. And Lord, maybe for some of us, it's just unhealthy behaviors. There are behaviors that are pulling us away. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's some other thing we're involved in, social media or whatever. That's just, it's just becoming more and more important. And we know it. We know it is causing distance. It's causing us to not even want to connect with our spouse. That's a huge danger sign right there. And so we pray. We pray right now. Lord, I want to just pray for all of of these relationships represented here, that you would help us identify the foxes and you would give us the courage to go after them. You would give us the grace and the wisdom to go after them so that they would stop destroying our relationships. They would stop undermining intimacy. So I pray for that, Lord. I want to pray. We want to pray, Lord, just for a renewed delighting in our spouse, delighting in these relationships, Lord, that you would help us just kind of rekindle that. We pray that, that you would help us turn towards our spouse, turn towards our children, our friends, our coworkers. We would turn towards them, paying attention, eye contact, listening ear. Rather than turning away from people or turning against them, we would turn towards them. And that you would use these, these dozens and dozens of opportunities we have every day, you would use these to help us grow in intimacy. God, we love you. We need you to help us in our relationships. We long for deepening intimacy, deepening relationship. Help us get there, Lord. Help us get there. We pray. We need you, God. So Holy Spirit, continue that work in us, in our hearts. Even now as we, as we worship you, as we transition to a time of worshiping you, Lord, that you would be ministering to us as we fix our eyes upon you and, and our hearts are worshiping you. You would be pouring out love and courage into our hearts to fight for these things in our most important relationships, to commit to these things in our most important relationships. So do that, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we stand as the worship team is going to lead us. There are intercessors around the room. They'd love to pray with you. They're wearing red lanyards. If you have a particular need, you can go these people at any point during the worship. So Lord Jesus, set us free to worship you. We love you, God. We need you. We welcome you.
Thank you, Lord.